0: ladies and gentlemen
1: welcome to a special episode of the voice of neuro and the voice of pig the pig show i'd like to i'd like to be called the voice of the voice of pig though the voice of neuro though truly majestic a podcast crossover event here where two worlds are literally colliding neuro
0: two worlds that are not terribly different from each other as content creators on twitch youtube and elsewhere we do a lot of similar stuff and I think a conversation like this is a long time coming. We've worked together in the past between multiple DD shows, between StarCraft coaching and team games and stuff like that. So it's really awesome to just get into a conversation with you. No other distractions, just simply two individuals exchanging words.
1: Exactly. I mean, that's that's it. Uh, I think especially now, I'm very happy that I wanted to start my podcast recently and that I got it going right before we all go into isolation because I think I need more time just kind of talking to people and getting a chance to hang out and share ideas and shoot the shit more than ever right now Um, and I think there's a lot of people watching who have been kind of saying as well yeah we actually are consuming streams YouTube podcasts uh like no tomorrow right now everybody's stuck indoors so It's always good to connect with people over the internet as much as we can. And honestly, I mean, our D&D sessions have been a big highlight over the last couple of months. That's actually been a really awesome regular meetup, get some fun social interaction, and uh, of course, a lot of dirty jokes.
0: Yeah, for people who aren't aware of that, every other Thursday, we host Wayfarers, which is Dungeons and Dragons 5e campaign. And it's not a super advanced one. Most of us are pretty much brand new to Dungeons and Dragons, so... If you are as well or you've never heard of it, it's still a good time and we try to explain things as we go. We have simple characters who make a bunch of stupid mistakes, which I think is something that a lot of people can relate to. It's a big, scary world out there, but with our wit and cunning and responses to things, we've had some incredible moments. Our dungeon master is an absolute boss. The team that we have is hilarious and I really like the dynamic of the three. We have a rogue a bird barian and a wizard so not too much healing between us but we've
1: got a heck ton of damage hells yeah uh i mean i think you especially went off the chain recently <laughs> it's like <laughs> i uh i kind of get to enjoy as well you know this is only the second campaign we didn't finish the first one for me but i've just been having so much fun with it anyway it's really cool as well to see a few people kind of come back and start to be regulars in the in the chat of it and I think it's exciting for us as well, because we traditionally have done 99% StarCraft content. And you've been branching out a little bit more than me recently. But uh, I mean, obviously, content creation, Twitch streamer life, this is something we're going to talk about a lot today. It's a good segue to, to kind of chat about that. Um, what's your split like at the moment? Are you doing WoW still regularly at the moment? Are you doing any other games? Is it literally just WoW D&D StarCraft?
0: So the branching out into WoW Classic is something that I was contemplating leading up to the launch of the game because I played a ton of WoW basically during all the era of StarCraft 1. So many of the creators in StarCraft 2 right now, that was what they played growing up. I never even touched the game. I was playing WoW the entire time, playing some other stuff like Halo and things in that period as well. So when Classic WoW was announced, I was really hyped because... That was a game that I loved back then, but I was a total noob, so I get to basically bring in the pro gamer skill that's been acquired over time and then apply it to a new character and getting to create a guild with the community. And a theme that we'll probably discuss a good bit over this conversation is the different ways that you connect with the real people who are part of your community. And having a guild was a new way to be active and actually slay dragons with your friends and build a relationship in new ways than you could before. The size of the WoW scene is massive compared to the SC2 scene, but also getting noticed is really hard. So I wasn't quite sure the balance between doing this for fun versus would this be a good investment in the growth of my business. And so far since the launch of the game, It hasn't been a plus, like Starcraft is still where the bread is made, but the fulfillment of having a guild of people who like hanging out with each other and just having an awesome time, it kind of feels like forming a community sports team with your friends. And every Saturday you meet up and you play baseball or whatever the heck sport you're into, but it's WoW Classic Raids. And I'm the main tank and the guild leader, so I have a very important job. That's very time consuming and the reward that I've really gotten from playing so much WoW Classic is working on my leadership skills. With guild leadership, people are invested in a different way than they are as viewers to your stream. They are players in the raid. Their characters are invested. They need items. They want to feel like they're growing and improving over time. And you also have to resolve a bunch of social conflicts and disputes. That kind of thing I haven't really had to do as a streamer. A lot of times you're basically on stage, the viewers are in the audience. They can shout at you. They can interact with you. They can come on voice with you, but it's not the same long-term narrative that's developing between you and your other guildmates. So that has been really refreshing, humbling, and kind of surprising because I didn't choose to play classic WoW because I wanted to work on my leadership skills. I did it because I love the game and I thought it would be cool to spice things up. But to your question about the balance, presently, I've backed a little bit off of WoW during the week and then been pressing more heavily into StarCraft and also mixing in more StarCraft on the weekends. So over the past two months, it has skewed more toward uh, StarCraft 2, especially with the tryhard streams on Tuesday and wanting and prepare for those
1: that's cool that's not just branching into i'm gonna go and click on heads uh in this other game like one day a week right that's a an endeavor um especially the guild leader stuff like i've never really played wow well other than like getting to like level 50 or something in vanilla in 2004 or something right you know so I've, i don't really have the firsthand experience but i guess the most recent context i can think of is <laughs> at katavica kalaris showed me his spreadsheets for his his guild and um oh my god the amount of like preparation and like the loot tables and the work that goes into like figuring out how to share out the items and obviously i'm sure there's varying degrees and i think knowing kalaris he's one of the more methodical (laughs) like ultra prepared people i don't even know if he's a guild leader or just an officer But, you know, he's very competitive with it. And he has like just this massive spreadsheet with so many tabs, just divvying up all their rating and organizing it and figuring out who's going to be on what raid. And um, I remember that was an eye opener. I was like, holy crap. This is is like very active community management. This is not just playing a game for a few hours a week. So there kind of has to be that passion behind it, right? And like you said, you're not sure. Is this just for fun? Is this for building the brand? Uh, There's always that weird thing where I feel like if you are only doing it to try to get eyeballs on you, you're like, everybody look at me. It's like, it's a pretty soulless experience in my, in my opinion, like it ends up being a little bit empty and it's also hard to force that to, to actually turn into the thing.
0: Well, that concept goes back to a sort of timeless struggle, which is how do you make art that pays rent? <laughs> because, <laughs> For a streamer who's huge, I think the streamers who are making heaps of money, a lot of people, they associate the streamer life with the big streamer life, not the middle-class streamer life, where if you make changes in your content, that can create great risk to your ability to sustain yourself as your full-time job. So there is a lot of pressure, not just to make content that is exciting and fun for you, but also exciting that is valuable enough to the community that
1: they're willing to support There's a relationship there, right? And that's kind of what you were getting at with the leadership and the community building where I think the building your viewer base side of getting lots of eyeballs and new people in might be pretty small, right? With this WoW venture for you and and with the same thing where anything where you're really creating a hardcore community and you're interacting with them daily and you're playing games together and you're interacting, you're sharing items, you're taking on challenges... But it does do something in terms of business, even if we don't always look at it that way, which is it basically creates true fans, right? If people interact with you more and feel a closer relationship, they become a true fan. And there's like the the classic thing is, look, you don't need to be ultra famous and rich as an artist or someone who's a content creator, but you need a thousand true fans. There's like some book or saying about this where they're like, look, if you can get a thousand true fans, who really appreciate your content and you keep a relationship with where you know, they value what you're giving them and they're all willing to you know, commit, whether it be a Twitch subscription monthly or something else, or they every now and then will tip you a few dollars here or there or purchase something that you create. It can create the stability for a smaller artist or a smaller content creator, I think, to, to do that. But I think what I've struggled with in the past is actually saying, okay, these are not just... People that i'm treating as nameless people in a chat oh i just need enough people and then x people will give me money but actually treating it more as like oh actually i've got to appreciate the family that's built up around my channel and over the years that's been a learning process of realizing like just how lucky we are to have so many people i guess watching us in our channel and especially the ones who come back and they know the history of your channel and the memes that kind of grow around at the jokes. They're the ones who are welcoming newcomers, but they're also the ones who create so much depth to your channel where like, there's always this weird experience. Um, I don't know if you have this, if you've ever been like front page or casting a tournament or doing very different content, you have this big influx of people that aren't part of your community, right? They're not actually true fans. They're just dropping by for the first time. And it's this really different feel in Twitch chat where you're like, Oh, these people. I mean, there'll be people who will just be straight up disrespectful or rude to you, right? A lot more of those because they don't care about you. They're like, "Why? Why are you doing this stupid thing? You know, Uh, why aren't you in the game? Get in the game, streamer. Cue the game." Um, You know, it's this weird thing where you're like, "Oh shit!" and you get that contrast, and you're like, "Oh my god, my normal viewers are the best. Like, they know." how to not be super mean after you've had a hard loss. Um, They're all joking, and they know where the line is with the jokes and not to get too creepy and and weird and to not start attacking people over politics or whatever else in chat. And then whenever you get this big influx of new viewers, you're like, oh, these people kind of need to be taught the way things are. And it's gonna be a long process of them returning to the stream before they actually become part of your stream community and a true supporter and kind of family member of your channel, right?
0: Yeah, that's a core aspect of how I started building the stream from day one. I was not trying to be everybody's streamer. If I'm honest with myself and I express myself truly, I'm pretty fucking weird. A lot of the time I do stream of consciousness, humor, I'm doing silly voices a whole bunch of the time, and I've gotten quite a few points of feedback from people where they say, I don't find that funny. I think when you do that, it's cringe and I can't watch your stream. And for me, that means planting my feet in the ground and saying, I am not your streamer. There are so many good streamers on Twitch for me to be happy and have fun with what I'm doing means that I should try to really make the best content that I think I can make and also connect with the people who already like what I'm doing in some capacity and get feedback from them. So that also applies to any given changes or new ideas. I'm going to be weighing the opinion of the solid regulars and the friends of the stream mm. much more heavily than someone who's tuning in for the first time and doesn't really know. Yeah, you know, that's story. so
1: funny because I, I, I feel like you're someone who's calculated and you have a lot of stuff that you've learned at various points in your life. I guess before StarCraft, where I always feel like you've been pretty methodical and kind of like you're someone who like is always. I, I mean. It's like even your brand right you're, you're on the path right you know we're on the path you're always talking about kind of it's like you set goals you seem to review and head in that direction whereas i feel like I'm, I'm kind of more the guy who falls down the staircase and then gets up and kind of figures out how to walk down the stairs after after falling down a bunch of them right so i remember getting so thrown off and upset every time i'd read a comment I someone's like this is cringe or i don't like this or don't do that and i, I you know i I remember for quite a while um, I was trying to be everyone's streamer and I was like, I'll try to appeal to everybody. Anything that offends anybody can't be on the stream. We're going to try to be like super PC, but also just, I don't know. It was like, it's like that person who just is trying to be what you want them to be. And you're like, oh, you're not a real person anymore. Like you don't have any flavor. Like, you know, it's like the most bland characters ever ever It's like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the worst TV show that people like, but shouldn't like. Um, It's like a modern Adam Sandler movie Um, (laughs) where it's like, it's such a bad way to go about things. And I think, especially when you're streaming such a large amount of your life, like we do, and you're putting so much of yourself out there, you can't maintain that and be happy because you're trying to be what other people want. And it's like, just not a fulfilling thing. So for me, I think it was a very steady process of learning to embrace more of my weirdness and accept that realistically I can have everybody watch my stream and have like 4,000 people watch the channel and go, this is okay. I will put this on. And very few of those will support the channel because they don't really feel a connection because you're not being authentic and you're not being real. And I realize that if just one in 10 people instead actually clicks and says, this is my home, this guy's kind of weird, but he's my sort of weird. I There's a community here. There's a connection. They're the people who are happy to drop that sub. They're the happy to come back and really become embedded in that community, right? And um that's why, you know, I don't look at my viewer count anymore. Once or twice a day at most. I don't, I try not to look at my sub count. I try not to set sub goals very much or anything like that. I'm like, these numbers don't mean anything to me, really. What's so much more important for me is let's try and actually just create an authentic fun environment. And whether there's 50 people or 2000 people watching or 1500 doesn't matter. It's always like, let's just have fun and create a good show. And I know if those 50 people have a great time, it will come back. There'll be this kind of karmic cycle of people will, will support in ways they can. But if you're just always chasing those numbers, I found like I was always not being authentic and it was not satisfying. It was draining. I'd get burnt out. And I'd also just have a much lower conversion rate if we wanted to talk pure business terms in terms of people who would hang out in the stream regularly. Most of them wouldn't actually support in any way. But as I've steadily moved in the last few years to being just more myself, more comfortable in my own skin on camera, I've seen like the conversion of people who hang out regularly, but actually drop a couple dollars to drop a sport. It's gone up massively. And it's so funny because it's like the moment I stopped caring about those numbers as much and caring about the sub count It was like, oh, the sub count went way up once I stopped caring about it. And I was like, oh, you can't like, it's like staring at your MMR, right? When you're grinding ladder and you're just like, I got to get my MMR up. I got to get my MMR up. But every loss hurts so much and every win feels so good. But then you crash down the other side of it. So I think it was like this long road for me to kind of find balance uh, in my mindset as a streamer. Um, I always feel like you came into it a bit more mentally prepared for things. But were there any points where you kind of had the same sort of learning process? Oh
0: yeah. Anytime there were promoted streams and stuff where it bumps my metrics up a whole bunch, whenever I would stabilize back at what my normal average would be, it always felt like I was doing something wrong or I didn't capitalize on that promotion properly. So yeah, I don't think I plan as much as you think I do. (laughs) A lot of it is winging it. Like I get an idea, I go for it. If it works, I keep doing it, but I'm not really much of a planner. A lot of stuff is just trial and error and intuition. But uh, your point about the viewers who are more enthusiastic, you've seen the movie 300, right? So think of a viewer as a, a troop, like they're a fighter, they're a person who can carry a community. I think most streamers would prefer to have 300 Spartan viewers over a million people who are really toxic and terrible. And that's something that I think the StarCraft community has in comparison to a lot of other Flavor of the Month game communities is they have a lot of loyalty, enthusiasm, like per person, where even if you have less viewers streaming StarCraft than you might if you are a full-time Apex Legends streamer, you may be able to make a stronger business just because people love the game that much. Similarly, if they really love you and your stream, then they could support you a lot more because you are their streamer rather than the streamer who's currently catching the most. Yeah, viewers.
1: there's a lot of generosity out there with people just kind of wanting to to support the StarCraft scene, right? It always kind of blows blows you away. You know, a very sad moment in the last year or so was obviously when when InControl passed away, but uh, I think we were all floored by like the response from the community with the number of people kind of looking out for each other and coming out of the woodwork and supporting each other and just generally like one of the most beautiful moments of, of seeing an online community. So many people were like, oh man, I'm so devastated. I, I feel, you know, I've never met the guy, but I feel like I just lost a best friend. And they all kind of were in chat. I remember people having a bad time and just being like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I feel terrible. And people were, hey man, let's hop on and play some games. Um, let's talk about it in chat. Let's all kind of be there to support each other. People were being crazy generous after that as well, trying to support all their streamers. That was their way of, of kind of showing the love. Um, but yeah, it's this this thing where the StarCraft community is more niche. Um, and I remember the change as well. Um, remind me, 2013 was when you started streaming a lot of StarCraft Two. What year was it? About 20.
0: 20- yeah, that sounds about right. That was early hots is when I decided to make StarCraft Two yeah. my main game. I was pretty new back in Wings, like between bronze and platinum. And I was just platinum because I fought <laughs> because I
1: actually do stuff. Well I mean, you remember then, um, it was there was like a gradual thing from like twenty twelve through to twenty sixteen, even, where we saw um less of those uh fair weather fans, um, more and more of the fair weather fans kind of disappeared and went to whatever the new biggest esport is. They all wanted to be on the new hot esport train. And with it, I feel like a lot of this knee-jerk kind of drama-mongering and, um, you know, getting angry about things and feeling entitled and demanding things with streamers and, and content creators and everything, I think a lot of that did calm down a little bit. I think the audience has become older. Even the people who were here back then that, that, that are still here today, they've aged seven years since then, right? They've become more adult Um We've got this just different feel to the community where people are, are much more chill these days, I think. So I don't know, I remember being really happy about it. I was really sad about the whole dead game thing for a long time. And then I just realized that there. Were, I felt like I was more in touch with this more smaller, more hardcore community. I felt like more of the people that were watching cared more. Um, there was less people trying to troll and get reactions, whether on Reddit threads or in stream chats. I don't know just it kind of felt like the community became a lot more wholesome because the people that were left were the ones who actually really loved the game
0: mm-hmm.
1: oh. only the hard only <laughs> the, the strong. chaff got separated from the wheat man
0: uh. yeah so the the thing that i wanted to ask you about do you know what negativity bias uh, is this is related that, to the comments. And so, so, is that? I'll,
1: I'll, I'll give my guess, and you can clarify. But that's basically where you just you, you tunnel vision more on the negative feedback, right? And you like, like there could be like one in ten, but you'll give it as much weight as the other nine yeah. in your mind, right?
0: Yep. Yeah. So at the end of the day, if you got ten nice comments and one mean comment, when you turn the stream off and you're making dinner and stuff, that mean comment is gnawing oh, at yeah. you. <laughs> That's very normal and default because we're social creatures and we want to be in good standing with our tribe and our people. And if someone really takes issue and says, your content is Garbo, I don't like this about it. Then you have that voice in your head that says, well, can I fix that? And then you have to counter that with a question. Maybe that's something that doesn't mm. need to be fixed. And this leads into a a point of thanks to the people who leave those positive comments I don't know about you, but I don't respond to every single one. I get them in my email and oftentimes I'll read them. Those help a lot. Like that really helps in offsetting the nasty stuff that you hear as a creator, because we, as creators, we care, like we want our stuff to be high quality, interesting and valuable because your time is very valuable. So even just saying, I found this part of the video really funny or you're awesome. Keep up the great work. It goes a really long way when you're just adding up your morale. Dude, At I've had some of, of those emails
1: day. where I've been having a shitty day and then you just read this message and it's just a paragraph or two and it's just a heartfelt message about I really enjoy the content or something like that. You know, they, they, but there's just, there's just something as well where I feel like um, most people are like, oh, that's weird. You don't want to just go compliment someone or something. Like a lot of people I think are very closed off with expressing this sort of positivity. It's like, oh no, that's lame. Like, you know, we all want to be sarcastic or ironic. We all want to get in our chat and make like a kind of, ironic or sarcastic joke but sometimes someone just even just with a resub message even not an email just makes a a really kind generous comment and that shit has turned my day around sometimes there have been times where i've read a little email and i try to respond to them when i can Uh, as i said same as you i can't respond to everything especially there's a lot of beautiful youtube comments out there that i just never get to reading there's a lot of twitch whispers i don't read twitch whispers there's too many of them so i just don't see them yeah
0: just as a note for anyone Twitch whisper is the very worst way you could possibly try to communicate with the streamer. Most people don't check it. The functionality is not the best uh, for me personally, my business email or tweeting at me are the best ways. Twitter and email.
1: I always tell people that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've had some people, people just make these like really heartfelt things. Sometimes they open up about like going through a hard time and just how the community helped them through as well. And that, that shit is really, uh, really heartfelt. Feels good, man. It's nice to know that there's still people out there who are going to take the time to do that. Um, And it makes me sometimes reconsider myself. I'm like, dude, if I'm really enjoying someone's content, you know, I should, I should make that effort a little bit more. Something where I guess like being a streamer, if I'm watching your stream or Maynard's stream or something, I try to make that effort a little bit more now where I'm like, if I see something funny, I want to clip that and I want to post it on Reddit and I want to share it around because I, I want to capture those, uh, those very special moments. And uh, Twitch chat's been making me giggle a little bit as well. Um, thanks for hanging out, everybody. How's uh, how's everything going over there in, in chat land for you as well, Nero?
0: Lots of love. Uh, the community, I think, doesn't get praised as much as it should, because the beauty of a Twitch stream is it's a live interactive story that changes with what the community provides yeah. in the chat. So you direct the narrative it's not just a pre-recorded tv show that's fixed and you may browse it if you want to but if you have a funny contribution or you ask a question a lot of the content that i make and probably this is for you as well is driven by the questions people have so someone will say i'm really Mm. confused about this thing and for me sometimes i'll snap call make a video when i'm like i've gotten this question like six thousand times i'm gonna make a fucking video it, so it's like alerts it, off video a on command, yeah <laughs> <Just go>.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> but that's good like that's a good thing because they're driving the direction of the content based on their yeah. interests and what they have to say it's not me just from a blank slate deciding the roadmap for how the do you um how do
1: you make. how do you think about culture uh in in twitch chat and how you get the right culture and stuff like like do you have hard and fast rules for me. I, I try to be as relaxed as possible, and I think it's only I'm only able to do what I do with like my my channel because it's an older, more hardcore audience. Like, there's no way I could be as relaxed as I am and as kind of letting things self moderate to an extent. Mm. I can do it because the audience is like there's such a hardcore community that's there every day or every second day, and it's so much the same people over and over. Because of that, I get to do things like okay. I almost never ban people and I I mass unban basically everybody regularly just because we don't have a lot of people coming back and trolling over and over. And if someone's being a little bit weird or like a little bit around wherever the line is, we just leave it until they get aggressive or start really trying to force people to react to them. And I just encourage people to avoid getting baited by trolls. And I, I encourage people to like, if someone's saying some shit that you disagree with, absolutely have a discussion about it if you want but always go into it with the mindset of you're not trying to tell them they're wrong. All you're trying to do is get more knowledge out there. It's not a, I'm right. You're wrong. I'm like the moment a conversation gets like that between two people in chat. I'm like, no, 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 you guys are going at it wrong. This is helpless because of that. 90% of the time, my chat just self moderates and there can be someone who's being a bit weird and saying some edgy stuff and no one responds to them. And then they just kind of shut up and get with the vibe of talking about Starcraft and having a good time or they leave one or the other. And it, it's this nice system, but it's taken a very long time to get there and a lot of reinforcement and a lot of letting people know where the boundary is and and making fun of people when they are trying to kind of get too much attention in chat. How do you get the environment that you have in chat? Are you pretty strict or?
0: Sort of, I would say that I have a sensei kind of role with a lot of people in Twitch chat. I think of the Twitch chat as a dojo for my channel, where it's a place where we can communicate together, which is kind of like sparring. A debate, in my opinion, should be treated like a sparring match where it's two people who agree to sparring and they're also not trying to mortally wound each other. They're trying to practice and they're trying to improve and grow and understand, but they're not trying to murder the other person or utterly crush their will. Mm. That's not what we're here for. So the main points for me would be, You should put respect first. If you're respectful to yourself, to the space, and to other people, that takes care of a lot of the problems that could come up in general, like the snide delivery, things like that. That's all ruled out if the person is starting with respect first. And another thing for me, too, is being inclusive, just trying to make sure that people feel like they are welcome here and that they can hang out and that if... There's something that's maybe not uh, typical about them. That's not going to rule them out from hanging out with us. And then another one would be understanding how to discipline and admonish bad behavior without slamming the door in their face straight away. So I've had a lot of viewers who come into the chat with something that's just fucking rude. It's just straight up rude, out of place, disrespectful, and if I do some counter banter. I point out why that's pretty fucked up. And we have a moment together and they admit that they made a mistake and they adjust. Oftentimes that develops into a friendship and a new solid regular over time. Because a lot of people, I think, they want to be accepted, they want to be thought of well. Yeah. And they want to fit in. And sometimes they don't know how to go about that. So I I understand. And I understand some people are also working from a lot of pain. In their own yeah. life that I don't know about, and I want to give them a little bit of room to make a mistake before you yeah, shut exactly, the door. Right? You up.
1: don't. I mean, I've 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 been drunk in a Twitch chat and said dumb shit before. I've been like, ah, this is funny, and I'm like, that probably didn't come across as, across as funny. It's it's a text, very imperfect way of communicating. And you would had quite a few beers. You probably just sounded like an asshole. Like you know. So I, I understand that could happen. As you said, sometimes people are going through a hard time. And then they've lost a few matches to cannon rushes and then they're, they're, they're in that spot and then they they see you playing Protoss in a game or that someone says something about their favorite player who's not, who just got into a cannon. I don't know, it's like the weirdest things can set people off. But uh, yeah, I think that's the clear thing there is, is I think a lot of streamers tap out and they don't do the, I'm going to admonish you and set where the boundary is. They get in this mindset of like, well, chat's just going to be chat. And I'm I'm like, just gonna ban people or I'm just gonna tell them, you're fucking wrong. Yeah, get out of here. It's like either ignore it and ban it and don't even address why what they did was wrong or or where the line is, or just go overboard and snap the door in their face a little bit too much. So um it's actually in control who I always tell the story who who was like I was talking about how toxic Twitch chat is once said like ages years ago, and it was him who was saying like you're responsible for that. Like you create the culture in your Twitch chat. And it's really sad that so many big streamers just let it turn into a toxic cesspool because they make no attempt to reinforce the correct culture, but you actually have that power and it takes effort and patience and time. But over time you can create a certain culture in your chat. And I remember being like, Oh, like I just, I was on the side of like, Oh, everyone in chat wants to be a dick. They want to piss me off. They want to bait me. They want to troll me. That's just the way the internet is. It's just the internet. And it's like, like you said, most people actually know they want to be accepted. They want to be part of the community. They want to have a good time. There are only really a few bad apples that are just out there to be dickheads.
0: Yeah. The way that I think about your chat culture can be worked at top down, not just bottom up. Bottom up is like the trolls who stand out, break TOS, you ban those. That's bottom-up approach. The top-down would be talking with your major supporters and your solid regulars about the why. Helping people understand the why a rule is in place or why you've recommended a certain way of conducting yourself. Yeah. That's so much more helpful. Kids are asking that all the time. A parent says, oh, you can't do that. Why? People want to know why. They don't want to be told, just no, you can't do that. They want to understand yeah. the reasoning behind it so that they can choose it for themselves rather than have it be, chosen for someone else. So just having some conversations so your regulars understand why it's important to have good behavior. And then representing that in the chat, I think is a way of dictating the flow of how the chat is going overall. So if you do get a bad apple that shows up, they stand out by a lot and your chat can self-correct. If you already have a strong and good chat culture, the regulars can oftentimes take care of stuff on their own. You don't necessarily need to step in every time if they already know what your stance is, yeah, on that's
1: always a, a moment where I'm very proud. Where, so, especially if it's not even a moderator, it's just a regular in the channel is like, yeah, that's over the line. Or hey, there's a rule for this. Oh, hey, look, activate the command that states said rule for me. It's like that one little weird pet peeve I have, which is I don't like people asking me why I didn't do X in StarCraft, and I always reinforce that rule a lot because it just it just is the question that triggers me in terms of like. I I always try to create a strategic discussion and I want people to like, feel like their opinions valid and not just be like, hey, encyclopedia, dude, who knows more about this? Why didn't you do this other thing? And like, I always want people to be like, hey, I think this thing's really cool and start a discussion and explain why. I don't want them to just be like, why didn't you do that? Because like in a strategy game, there's thousands of options. and I want to create these discussions. And that's a rule I found, which is really good for, for trying to make people uh, a little bit more open about that. It's also something where I think every now and then I need to try and remind regulars in chat that even if people are asking me questions, I'm not always going to answer it. But it's useful to all to remind chat that their expertise and their opinion is valid. So I always try to remind people, it's like, you can be Silver League and I've watched a bit of StarCraft and you can have an opinion and that's totally fine just don't be aggressive about it. That's like, you know, that's it. Like there's a lot of people in StarCraft, especially who are always looking, I think, to appeal to authority. They always want to do what x pro gamer or X-Streamer does. So I think there's like a, there's like a thing there where once you make people feel like their voice is valued and has some weight to it, it starts to people, people are like, oh, cool. Like I actually, what I say has importance. This is cool. And that also gives people value in a community i always joke that youtube comments is like the biggest cesspool on the internet because it's the most disenfranchised place on the internet it's like no one's reading these comments no one the the person who's making the videos rarely does and people like oh they're just rioting because they're like well we have no responsibility there's no rules like eh," and they go they go nuts and i think like the more you treat twitch chat like that like your opinions are fucking worthless chat i'm not going to listen to you the more people like all right, gonna set the house on fire, you know? We're gonna, we're gonna go wild, yeah. man.
0: Yeah, if to the point of building chat culture, it's really important to start with a good chat culture, and it's almost impossible to change one that's already established as bad. And big, a lot of big streamers have this problem where they assume that the chat was going to be a madhouse like the entire time they were building the stream, so that now they have thousands or tens of thousands of viewers and it's Mm. just total ass they're kind of hands off the wheel the chat is just rolling and there's no way that they could take control over it again but there are quite a few streamers who have thousands of viewers that have a very well-behaved chat but that is something that was built when the stream was small and the people who tend to follow subscribe and show up again those people reflect the same attitude
1: That's something that definitely takes time to build, but I think it creates a completely different experience for you on Twitch. I guess we can kind of pivot from there. We've got a whole bunch of awesome different things to talk about. Man, we're talking a lot about community, right? We're talking a lot about kind of how we're building that Twitch community. Has yours noticeably changed since you... I think both of us had our channels blow up in the last couple of years. We've both gone through some big changes with how we've created content and just the number of people coming in and the number of amount of content we're putting out and the amount of success we've had. And I think we're both very lucky in the last few years to have that. Has there been any big changes since you really blew up and, uh, and had that big jump in growth? Was there a challenge with that? Not particularly the main
0: challenges have been with me and, making sure I don't get overly focused on the metrics Uh, that can really pull you away from the notion of enjoying the stream today, which is one of the strongest plays you can make as a broadcaster, just going live and having a great time and how heavy that is of an impact on the viewers. Like They would rather see someone loving what they're doing than someone who's saying, what is the next thing that I can do to raise my concurrent (laughs) viewership by 50 And I did get a little bit distracted and dazzled by some of those ideas of being one of the Mm. biggest names on Twitch. But a lot of what I do, especially with diversifying my content, distances me from that in the short term. And it's something that I'm very thankful I've been able to do. So because the support has been so enthusiastic, I can do classic. Wow. Even though I don't get as many subs per hour, I can do philosophy, politics, and D and stuff which isn't pulling in a ton of bread but it's fulfilling and fun and fulfillment feeling like what you're doing matters to the world is one of the most powerful forces that keeps a streamer from burning out like the comment you mentioned before where someone said that uh, your stream really brightened their day when they were having a tough spot stuff like that really keeps the fire going quite a bit and this kind of goes back to the brand question of What is your brand? Because if your brand is consistent, then your fans should be pretty consistent as well. For me, my edge and my approach to try to build a stream in the first place was to be a mindset-oriented streamer, where I tried to make that my major advantage against all the other super mad Masters players. I think high Masters StarCraft players are potentially the grumpiest on the whole ladder because they're one shot off the big time. They're close to having that shiny gold border (laughs) they don't have it yet but they really want it and you're in the way and if you beat them you set them further away from it and now they hate you (laughs) so it's really hard for masters one players i think to take responsibility and ownership of their losses because compared to the whole community they're quite good and they can beat pretty much everybody like they're a god next to a diamond player and a platinum player etc but they get beaten up by gms consistently And they just scream at each other instead of just saying, hey, do you want to practice? Or maybe there's something I could have done better. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's
1: it's so hard with a competitive game. But I really like what you said about not getting burnt out, motivation, how someone making a kind comment can pick you up, diversifying into things that fulfill you feeling like you're making an impact on community. These are all things. I linked you just a book on Discord. and I posted it in chat, um, Payoff, which is a very short book. It's basically a TED talk in a book just about motivation. And this was, I read this last year and it's nothing groundbreaking, I think like most great books, but it helps you understand motivation on a deep level. And it talks about the different studies and experiments. And what I really liked about that is he goes over just how huge these key concepts are like one of the biggest ones is just, you know, the ability to feel like you are doing something important and it's making a difference is so big and money just doesn't do that. Right. If you're, if you're kind of going, it's just about getting more subs or more tips this week or getting an extra 50 viewers, like these numbers, they aren't emotional concepts that our brains can really connect with. Right. Um, on a, on a truly deep, like level. Like he was talking about like one experiment where they got employees and they had this bonus system where they got all this extra money and they thought it was a great system and their production would go up when they had the bonuses in place. But on the days when they didn't have the bonuses, like their production would actually go lower than normal anyway. So there'd be this like inverse effect where it looked like you got a boost in production. Then it would go down immediately after, as soon as that got taken away and they could do something like add some more meaning into it and add some status and start doing like rewarding people who hit certain goals by ordering them a pizza and sending it home to them and stuff like this. And these like very tangible things and people were suddenly like, Oh shit, I feel so valued. My boss has bought me a pizza and sent it home to my family. Like, and they'd actually have this huge boost in their value and what they were doing day to day and stuff. And it's like this weird thing where you've got to understand that we aren't just machines who can focus on, a meaningless goal of just trudging forwards and just get more numbers, just get bigger things. And finding that meaning and that value in your day-to-day is so important. So uh yeah, it's something where I think giving back to the community we're in is a big part. Uh, and I actually remember you years ago saying this to me, we were having a chat about something, you talking about how giving back to the community is one of those really important ways to feel you know uh, happiness for you and you were saying how like you know actually supporting your other content creators and getting out there and becoming part of a family and not just treating starcraft as a means to an end was kind of part of your focus so i think that that was some really wise shit i can't remember when you said this to me but this is stuck in my head so i know this i know we had this discussion sometimes do you remember this at all
0: yeah well it Touches on one of the core aspects of why I got off of my academic career path and got into all of this stuff. Because there are many, many people in the world who would say that what we are doing is a waste of time. To be a streamer on Twitch playing video games is a childish and immature thing to do. Neuro, why did you not go further with your brain science degree path? I get that question a good bit. Not super often, but a good bit. And it goes back to the more general question of Is being an entertainer a valuable and worthwhile profession? I would say, fuck yeah. Like getting someone to laugh and brightening their day just so that they have more energy and hope and happiness and inspiration is a monumental task. Like that's heckin' huge. And with Twitch streaming, I felt like you can bring a lot more direct showmanship and change to the world where you can be big you can have hilarious moments epic moments things like that and also speak directly to people and influence how the conversation is moving so i saw a lot of the wings of liberty starcraft conversation and a lot of it frankly speaking would get my football coaches i grew up with to scold the shit out of them it's some like punk childish exchanges that were happening in esports and a lot of people laugh about it they thought it was funny doing that kind of banter but tearing at each other in a real way, reduces our overall productivity by a lot. Like if you get insulted a lot over the course of a day, that hits you pretty hard. Like we try to be poised and confident while we're live. That's a really important thing, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't sting when we get hassled and stuff. So me moving into Starcraft streaming, was partly a response to a lot of the nasty behavior that I was seeing and believing strongly that it should change, that we should be more mature, we should grow the fuck up a little bit and be teammates who work together, especially now that StarCraft is a more niche community, rather than just be in the toxic den of people stabbing each other. Get the hell out of my way
1: and give me my MMR! That's... uh.
0: The banter is fair. There are lots of respectful yeah. ways that you can banter or mess with. Something
1: yeah. Stuff. It's um, it's, it's always funny with that. I mean, it's, it's interesting though. I think like, um, I think honestly, for me, um, if you take community away, I don't think Starcraft is a fun game for me. Like for me personally, maybe there's some people out there who can just improve in a, in a bubble. Um, but this is something why I always rant about this on my stream and like a positive rant is I'm like, you know, especially if someone comes to my channel and really wants to complain and I'm like, you know, please no balance whining. I like to stay focused on the thing. Like you can discuss game design, but they just really want to whine about something. And I this usually always leads me to the point where I'm like, look, you got to have community in StarCraft. We all need to vent sometimes. We all get frustrated by things. This game is incredibly complicated. You're always going to run into a wall at some point and it your eyes are so close up to the problem, you can't figure out what to do. And often there's some very simple, easy changes in your strategy or some mechanics that totally avoids the problem or makes it much easier to handle with. But uh, I think there's a lot of people out there who play the game in this bubble where they go to the ladder, and then they maybe watch tournaments on YouTube or on Twitch. And then they don't take part in any tournaments or in a fun clan of people who hang out together. And if someone beats them, they never ask them for practice games, like you said. And that's why something, I think I've been on a campaign for a few years now of echoing the sentiment of like, guys, if you're out there and you're enjoying Starcraft now, and you're not in a clan, it, trust me, it's a thousand times more fun when you have teammates. Even if you play an amateur league, people are like, I don't have time for that. I've got kids. And I'm like, the Chobo team, like it's a best of one, one map. You and your opponent have a week to organize it each week. Like, that's it. You're, you're both like, you're in Europe. I'm in New York. Okay. Like, uh, how about this time? Yeah. Okay. Like, we'll find a time to meet up for a 20 minute game. You know, that's it. It's not that hard to schedule. And yet it's the same thing as going out to join your football club and go play a match of football on the weekend on a Saturday morning you don't have to be good. You don't have to be expert or pro, but it adds so much value to your experience because suddenly you're in this community, you're competing, it's a bit more serious. You've got more reason to improve if that's your thing. But even if not, suddenly you've got people to joke around with. You can laugh at your failures, you can share your successes, and it just adds more value. So not only I think as a content creator is community very important, but I think as a player out there, for me, it was when I first got onto the forums hungry for how to improve when i first started joining clans and playing clan wars versus other clans that i started to feel like every time i'd run into something that seemed so unfair in the game i could go to that mate who i'd played a bunch of games with and always beat me with his dirty protoss and you know i could complain to him and he'd be like yeah man pat on the shoulder by the way you can probably just do this and it'll all be fine and you'd actually murder that guy like you know i'll watch a replay with you and i'd be like oh i am really dumb i just needed to vent and have someone listen to my pain and then i could move past it and actually improve but uh i imagine if i never got on those forums and i never started joining those clans i'd probably just still be on the battle forums going this game's stupid i hate you guys you guys need to make this thing stronger and this thing weaker just yelling into this void of hopelessness um community is i think the bigger the challenge the more you need to combine your brain power and the mental support that comes together so you can get past that you can get better as a StarCraft player but also just enjoy it and be less stressed out by it. Mm-hmm. In the StarCraft
0: scene, we do have, on average, I think, a better culture of helping other people out. We have the three subreddits of all things Zerg, all things Protoss, all things Terran, where people can submit a game and oftentimes it does start with a balanced wine tagline of Gold Zerg here, I have no idea what to do against mech, it's unbeatable. But if anyone who's in platinum looks at the game, they'll be like, what the heck are you doing in the early game? So there's so much that we can all improve on. And I will say one of the things that does make me truly mad is when I'm doing my Tuesday try hard stream where I'm fully focused on the match, just 100% playing as fast as possible. And I lose a match and maybe I take a AFK break and I have the chat visible for a second. And I see someone trying to rob me of my defeat that I have earned with my fuck ups. And they're trying to write it off and say Mm. that Protoss is overpowered. When I know full well that I was supply blocked at 44 for entirely too long. And my spores were six seconds late and I lost five drones. And this individual is trying to say that it wasn't my fault. No, sir, you do not take that loss from me. I earned those MMRs. The negative MMRs, MMRs, but dude, that's actually incredible.
1: You know, that saved (laughs) me from tilt a few times. That exact same thing where I'm starting to complain I'm like, oh, he played his silly stuff. And then I see someone making the excuse for me in chat. And I'm like, it's like flicking a switch. I'm like, no, you don't mother trucker. Like, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm (laughs) actually whining like a little bitch right now. I am just venting. Nothing I said meant anything then. And don't you dare say that race is too powerful. I'm like, okay, we're opening the replay now. And I've got to like, I'm like supply blocked for 30 seconds oh my God, I didn't even start that upgrade. That's like the most important upgrade for what I was doing. <laughs> and I'm like, mistake, 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 mistake. And I'm like, you know what? Not just that. Now let's look at my opponent's point of view and look at how beautifully he did this and how smart this move was. And he was trying his goddamn heart out as well. And remember, there's another guy on the other side, another girl, another, another guy, another person who is probably bleeding mentally after putting all the pieces together in that StarCraft game to destroy you, you know? It's not like it just happened, oh, they just made Protoss units, Uh, oh, they just made uh, Stim Bio, just A-moves, a move the Marines. Like, it actually took a lot of effort. And when you try to remember that there's other people on the other side of the game as well, and that's part of what community does for me, it always reminds me when I talk to people of the other race or the opponent who just beat me, and I ask them a question and they explain a bit of their build, You know, it it just gives me that extra perspective to go, oh yeah, this whole game, it's, you know, there's playing a really hard piece of piano, right? But unless it's like intuitive, reflexive jazz piano, it's a set piece, right? Starcraft is a set piece where there's another dude and he's got a hammer and he's trying to hit your fingers while you're hitting the piano keys. And he's just trying to screw up everything that you do um it's you know it's always going to be something where it's hard and it's difficult because the other player wants to win just as hard as you do
0: it does make the wins that much more satisfying though winning a match in starcraft is one of the most complete feelings of victory that i've had in video games if you're in a dota game league of legends it's one player of five maybe you had an awesome performance but there were still four other players who are working with you and supporting you and things like that so It doesn't feel like a total victory that you earned. It was a collaborative effort. Same thing with downing a raid boss. You may have been the most important character in the raid for that fight, but it still required the help of everybody else. StarCraft, it was just you. And that's one of the things that attracted me toward streaming StarCraft as my main game, was it looked to me like the perfect space for a training and warriorship, which is like when a young samurai warrior leaves home and goes out in the world and just fights and tests themselves and they try to build their own story and their own legend and everyone has the capacity to do this and it ends up being really important for a lot of people to build confidence in themselves to prove that you as a person on your own can do something for yourself no bureaucracy no business politics no backstabbing no other people carrying you through stuff and loafing about. It is you 100% going from being at this skill level to a higher skill level through rigorous practice and training. And once you've done that, it's like a super awesome badge of honor. Like even just getting Diamond in StarCraft, it's a super competitive game. So you got Diamond in a game with some of the most try-hard video game players of any game. Good job. That is with you for the rest of your life you've proven Hells to yourself
1: yeah it's not easy there is no free wins um i mean anything competitive there's always it's a it's a zero sum game in terms of winning and losing there's always got to be a winner and a loser in every match so um yeah there's there's something there i think there's also something where i have some of the most satisfying losses in starcraft uh usually when i'm in a good mindset but there's those games where you both fight your goddamn hard out and there is just so much action and chaos and you can lose in the end, but you can, you just know that you both fought so hard. And it was so, usually, they're those long, close, you know, back and forth matches, right? Those are the ones you just felt like you were wrestling someone the whole time. And at the end of it, you're like, yeah, you beat me. Like, but holy crap. Like, I, I, I hurt you. I hurt you. You hurt me. <laughs> we both messed each other up. Like, it's just chaos. It's awesome. Yeah.
0: One of the best feelings that I have is when I play against a 6K plus player. And I lose, but very narrowly. And I know that for where my skill is, that was Mm. a moral victory for me, where I put a lot more pressure and heat on them than they were probably expecting. And the game was much closer than it should have been. And perhaps they have a greater experience level than me. Maybe they're a pro gamer and I'm a streamer. And I certainly kept them on their toes. And that's really fun in and of itself. I didn't get the win, but relatively speaking, you can always change the
1: goalposts and manage your expectations a little bit there as well. It's... Hey, if I can put them on the ropes, if I can last to the 15 minute mark and get up to X stage and like, you know, I can focus on my build. I can refine that. Um, cool little, little thing. I made that piano comparison off the top of my head as someone who has zero musical ability. We have a concert pianist in chat, in my chat. Pace yourself and said, well, that's not really true what you said about it, it you know, not being uh, the same. And I was like, can you please explain? Give us some info. So just interesting info. Spacey said, well, look, playing pre-written music is not really about reproducing what they wrote. It's not you just copying and executing this exact set thing. It's about trying to understand what brought them to write it. Chopin, for instance, when he wrote The Ballad in G Minor, one of the great pieces of literature of all time, was a young... 20 year old traveling the world for the first time Especially for saying you know he left his poland when they'd gone in revolt against the russians in 1830 and there's all this emotion and stuff that you're trying to capture so there is infinite detail which obviously my summary of you're just hitting keys in an order there is definitely more infinite detail and i would say both mechanical skill as well rather than oh injecting my hatcheries is pretty hard uh in terms of concert piano so i didn't mean to downplay the skill there at all But I I think we can agree that there is not um, the music trying to interrupt and purposefully ruin your attempt to play the music. And I guess that's the thrust of what I was trying to get at. It's the very oppositional nature of StarCraft in that any rhythm or expression that you try to find, there will very often be a disruptive force very directly trying to stop you from doing that. And, And I think that's this thing which makes it so stressful and so satisfying is because you're constantly trying to disrupt each other and it's a very um well it doesn't let you get comfortable right it forces you to constantly adapt you can't just do your thing it's not a way to play starcraft it doesn't lead to a lot of successes and we've had players who try to just do their thing and they usually don't have a lot of success
0: Mm to the point of knowing the reason the music was written. I think that's a a really cool angle to bring to the table when you're trying to perform is to mm. understand why it was written. An alternative approach would be to draw on your personal emotional experience and let that like ring through the music. So if it's a, a sad piece of music, drawing on some genuine real sadness that you have experienced in your life mm. and letting that shine through it, oftentimes makes it way more powerful for the audience rather than trying to think about the sadness that the author had when they wrote the piece of music. It makes it more personal and local and translates it into a more modern lens. Mm. There's also the point of your instrument is unique. So I'm a violist and a vocalist. So my viola doesn't sound the same as every other viola. It was made with unique wood from a crafts guy in North Texas and it's, it sounds the same range of notes as a, another viola, but it has its own unique voice. So, with StarCraft as well, every player has their own unique style based on all the builds they've trained, based on what their mechanics are, based on their preferences for whether they like to be an attacking player or a defending player, whether they like Ling Bane Hydra or Ling Bane Muta, stuff like that is really beautiful. And I'd kind of hoped that we would eventually get some ways to distinguish player styles across Mm. uh, levels of play. So you know how you have your player profile, getting to see your average workers that you make would be a really interesting detail about players. Is Diamond as cheesy as we think? What are the different aspects that distinguish one master's player from another? That stuff is really cool. And I think every player is beautiful in the capacity that their journey is a unique story that's not shared by anybody else.
1: I think that's really cool. And the idea of seeing the expression of the player. um, Was it No Regret who did the hidden name tournament? I think it was No Regret who did that, right? It was... Yeah. I'm trying to remember the name of the tournament. He did it a bunch of times. And it's just so funny to see everybody being like, I think it's this player. I think it's this player. And the pros were often very good at knowing and some of the experts. And a lot of the fans like oh my god like i actually like i can't tell like you know everyone was like ah it's got to be this guy there's like wild guesses you know those people hopping in god it's gotta be this guy it's like he hasn't played in years what are you talking about but uh it's it's always cool to feel that expression it's always something where when i first got hooked on on um starcraft was watching like brood war and feeling like i could see two dudes wrestling over this mini map and all of my upbringing of loving like military history and fantasy and stuff like all just got so goddamn excited. You're playing Risk, the board game, and then you just see like these armies fighting so hard over this like ramp and this army's trying to get up there and he's holding on and he's holding on. He eventually gives it up, but he re-expands on the other side of the map at the same time. And you could see these units trying to move about and you could feel how hard the players had to play and how fast and the the mixture of camera shots kind of showing them sweating and stuff. So I still feel like in terms of looking at the uh, the movement across the screen... I don't think anything beats Brood War in terms of getting that feeling in an eSport of like almost having a tangible physical feeling when I watch of like, I can see when I watch sport, it's natural. When I watch two dudes fighting, when I watch two dudes playing football and trying to wrestle the ball off each other, when they're trying to tackle each other in a game of rugby or whatever, you know, it's so obvious what's happening with the physicality of it. And I guess, um, I think Starcraft always, Hooked me because of that because you could see it so clearly in Brood War. And I think you need to probably have a little bit of RTS knowledge, of course, and growing up playing RTS games to, to get that. But um that's what made me super fall in love with it. For you, was it was it StarCraft 2 early days? Was there like some point where you got really into watching it? Was there an early hero you had?
0: So My quest that got into StarCraft was off the back of WoW Arena and Poker. So WoW Arena, I did 2v2 and I got Gladiator, which is a similar bracket distinction of being like Masters 1 or GM at two versus two. And I kind of wanted to see what if it was just me like trying to push for something, how high could I get? Could I be a GM in StarCraft? And I asked that question when I was in Platinum. And I think a lot of people wonder that about themselves. If they really dedicated themselves to playing the game, where could you potentially go? And the game felt so pure to me after playing poker for a long time. Because in poker, if you're doing it as your full-time gig, which I was for a few years, you're basically trying to punish the noobs at the table and Mm -hmm. avoid the pros, which felt kind of sharkish and predatory to me. And I didn't really like that from my... Uh, fighting spirit kind of mindset. I would like to challenge the best, but I know that statistically I should avoid the best because it's going to be the hardest to make money off of them as opposed to the people making stupid mistakes. Whereas with StarCraft, you get to an MMR, which is like you're trying to fight people who are almost an even match for you. Like That's the match that the latter tries to find for you. And that's really Mm. refreshing and fun. And I wanted to... Be able to play a game as well where you can never play perfectly and lose. In poker, there are a lot of circumstances where you can take the ideal betting line, pre-flop, flop, flop, turn river, where for the hand you have and the information you have and the people at the table, you technically played perfectly, but it's within the band of like four to even 40% where it's just bad luck for you. And that's a really tough thing to deal with mindset wise. In StarCraft, it just felt so refreshing where I lost a match and it's like, yes, I know that I earned this loss 100% and I Mm. just need to figure out how. So it was more a question of figuring out what caused the loss as opposed to trying to figure out if I even made a mistake at all. You know that you made a mistake if you lost. And that was a a really nice shift. To me, it felt like StarCraft was easier mindset wise than poker from an individual player's perspective. As a streamer, it comes with some different difficulties that a Mm. lot of people aren't aware of. One of them is the pressure to maintain the level that they think you are. So like your average MMR as a streamer, maybe you are like a 5.4K player. Like 5.4 to 5.6 is where I feel like I should be if I'm focused and I know what my plan is in my matchups and I'm playing normally. But I can have big swings, and we've talked about this in the past, I can swing down to 5k, just flat at 5k. I was there about a month ago, I think. And a big part of it is just the meta shifts. And sometimes what you're doing is not too good. Sometimes you have some bad habits. Sometimes you're just physically not doing as well. You're sleep deprived. You're stressed out from other stuff. You're grumpy. Maybe there were some mean comments and you're not 100% focused and present. And you're having a downswing, but it's still you. And most people who work a regular job, they don't have a number attached to their performance that moves every 15 <laughs>
1: minutes. Can you imagine? It's like, okay, it's 9 a.m. Forever. It's the daily performance review. They're like, uh, yeah, you did really shit yesterday. And then they're like, oh, okay, okay, guys, um, we really like the daily performance review. We're going to speed it up. Literally every hour, your manager is going to come over and rate your performance for the last hour and be like, you did bad. And you're like, ah. <laughs> yep. This is insane. Um there's a battle to not focus on that, right? Like I know Maynard purposely doesn't look at it when he leaves his game as a streamer. He's like, oh, don't look at it. Don't show it to the chat. I just go close it into the next game, you know? I make sure I don't look at it. Um, you know, I always tell people like you're, you know, you're asking him, what MMR you're people are like 3277 and I'm like, cool, cool, All right, like" Just something we should all do for our own mentality is you go, I, if that's what you, your MMR is right now, you go, okay, I'm 3,000 to 3,400. You're like, I am a range somewhere around here. Plus minus, probably should be plus minus 300 on either side, really. And you should accept that there's natural upswings and downswings and you're trying fun strategies on new things. Hey, Neuro is trying to drop banelings on mineral lines every game today you might go down it might magically work and you might go up because you're just having so much fun and you're rolling with it you very well could lose a whole ton of games just trying to make this fun strategy work right so that's a thing i really wanted to talk about so i'm really happy you went in this direction um part of what drew us both to starcraft similar to you for me is that feeling of control right with improving and it's a very Big improvement focus. You can work really goddamn hard and find results, but it's also something where what I found very liberating is I felt like there's always almost infinite areas I can choose to improve on at any moment, especially when you're starting out. Like it's such a vast game strategically, there's so many matchup situations and different mechanics to focus on. I feel like I'm never like forced to just be like, I go, there's just one thing I got to get better at. I'm not really excited, but I can always choose the thing that I'm excited and inspired to work on, right? Like I really want to work on my Mutalisk Micro and like i, I you know, be improving always on the thing that I'm excited to play. So that's what brought me to Starcraft. But there's a thing that happens when you stop the early curve of improving. Any skill you improve very quickly, very quickly, and then it's, you plateau for a while and then you improve and it's very, so it's jagged improvement, which is its own demotivating thing that you've got to get your head around. But then you get to the point where you hit that point. You've made it to GM, you're neuro, you're streaming full-time, you're creating a lot of content, you're managing a community, you're doing a YouTube channel, you're doing a D&D show, a podcast. Suddenly improvement isn't about MMR anymore, right? It's not about you trying to hit 6K MMR, right? You're not sitting there like it's about that. How do you still get the satisfaction of improvement and developing your play? Um, Like how do you set goals? Because I feel like goal setting is one of the most important things. So you can feel satisfied and happy and you're making accomplishments Do you just aim for new strategies to diversify your styles? Because once you get to the level where we're at, we've basically both been treading water, MMR wise for a very long time. How do you keep that process satisfying?
0: The main shift for me this year was integrating Samurai streams on Tuesday. And it is a try hard stream, but it's also more than that. So the basic idea behind it was What if I treated that day as though it were a tournament performance day where I had no other tasks or obligations and I was purely Mm. a pro StarCraft player? So that means the night before, or even the day before, I try to do more review and study. So on Monday of this week, I watched some of Serral's games from Stay at Home Story Cup, and I tried to talk through what he was doing and how he was playing the new maps. Because the new maps right now, or bananas. <laughs> it's just silly. Golden wall, purity and industry. They're silly, just straight up. And seeing how he's playing the maps helped me a whole bunch because it was more standard mm. than I expected. He didn't really play it in particularly weird ways. He just opened up more conservatively on some of the maps uh, than he would on a more standard one and plays it out in pretty spectacular fashion. Yeah. So I study on Monday. And then the night before I try to respect that process too. Like you don't want to party really hard before a tournament day. So I'm not going to like get drunk or something on Monday. I want my body to be in good condition and I want to get a good night's rest. So I try to physically treat myself well and prepare as though I was going to fight a samurai duel in the morning against someone at dawn. Like it should be a really complete preparation, physical and mental. So I get up and then I also try to be really mindful of the distractions that we have, because as a streamer, broadcaster, and I would say this probably applies to everyone in 2020, you've got phones with like all kinds of social media that's really exciting and you want to see what's happening. You've got emails that you can check. You've got discord channels that are going, you've got messages that you can respond to. Being able to remove those and focus fully on StarCraft II Legacy of the Void winning a ladder match That's the essence of what I tried to do on Tuesday. And that's given me a very satisfied feeling at the end of the day. And just also for the week overall, I don't go up every time. Like I don't go up in MMR, but I do feel like I gave myself a good shot at getting some Mm. intense practice in. And then at the end of those games of my try hard, which is like six hours average, I'll go over every single loss after and try to take a few notes of, what i need to work on you, for the next week. And that's been the, really the fun for me. The
1: rest of the week do you feel like the games flow a little bit easier after that because you've got those practice reps, you've got those focused games, you've kind of got the review so you're more i guess cognizant of what you're meant to achieve with each build order because you've kind of done that little review process and then you've done the practice right after it.
0: Yeah, i've actually found out that when i play on wednesday sometimes my Other account goes higher than my tryhard account, just because I feel like I've figured things out and I can also play more relaxed because there's also the balance too, between if you're Mm -hmm. going into a tournament setting, you don't want to be so hyped up that you're physically shaking because you're going to make more mistakes. You do have to have that, that balance between being really calm, but not so calm that you're asleep and you want to be hyped up, but not so hyped up that you're shaky. And with the try hard streams, it's been an interesting experiment to see what kinds of behaviors and lead up I can do that put me in the best possible mindset. So that can be exercise. I always go for a run before Samurai stream. And I've also tried mixing in yoga. And playing my viola is a new one that I'm trying out. I think that helps me a good bit get into a musical rhythm Because for all three races, you have some predictable times that you work with, and that's the orbital command energy, the time it takes to build certain structures, nexus energy, Mm. injects and creep spread. Those have a rhythm to them that is based on the start of the game and it's based on you. So that's the musical side of StarCraft. And then there's also the fighting side of the opponent who is trying to upset your spaghetti Mm. so much that you quit the match. (laughs) So you're trying to play your music while they're slapping the shit yeah. out of you, which is really hard. But being able to focus on what's under your control first at the start of the day seems like it helps me over the course of the day deal yeah, with that harassment stuff.
1: That's really cool. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things as well. Like I, I always think of the the dark vs beyond finals game on Sejong station. And I did a really old YouTube video about that, where all I talked about was like rhythm in StarCraft and why it's beautiful when you find it but there's always these times where it's so elusive. And that was like the one game I always think of where you had the fastest, micro-intensive, most irritating guy to play against beyond attacking in three places, sometimes four places at once for like 20 minutes straight. And Dark somehow kept his rhythm and found rhythm within all these disruptions and kept like bouncing between three locations and spreading creep and getting the injects down and it was like it's this replay i could i could watch over and over again on the first person view and go how is he not getting thrown off and tilted right now and falling to pieces because it was this incredible one and I'll, I'll dig up the youtube video it was like the homepage video on my youtube channel for a long time uh, rhythm in starcraft actually because that was it was kind of like a verbal essay video let me let me link that to you guys in uh chat it's just a it was like literally a little essay i wrote on it and just read out while watching the replay basically um talking about just some some kind of thoughts about that but i mean, it's it's this thing where back on the point of of the goal setting right so that's something i've struggled with that's why i wanted to ask you about that because finding the discipline in the midst of being an entertainer and i'm going to be on that path of get my reps get my practice refine my build um that's something which is hard because most of the time uh did i have fun did i pull off some silly builds did i make some good jokes is usually the main thing i'm going yeah i had an awesome stream i feel good right as well as just general positivity and good vibes right yeah. but there is still what anchors me to starcraft is a love for improvement a love for that focus and that sort of stuff and um especially playing random these days, like recently I have basically just had to simplify my goals to feel like I'm winning and I'm achieving things. I cannot play reactive standard macro in every matchup. I just can't. It is so far beyond my bandwidth to the point where it's like running on a treadmill where you haven't warmed up at all. You've just woken up and it's like 30 miles an hour or something. And you're like, it's not possible. There's too much going on in this game. Um, So yeah, like I've, I've had to focus more on saying, let's have one macro build for each race and two kind of funky, more fun, more aggressive match, like builds where I'm trying to dictate the pace and grab the game by the horns and make it a bit easier for myself. And let's lower my expectations to let's learn new styles that excite me and kind of as long as I'm continually not letting the game get stale, my goal setting with like my own ladder performance has moved more to like, okay, I'm really inspired by this really cool Mass Elite Phoenix build. I'm going to learn that in PVT. And it's not about getting any better than the game I am now. It's learning a new way of playing the game and steadily getting that to like my current level. It'll start a bunch lower because I don't know how to play it. But if I can just get that to the knowledge where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm playing this within my normal MMR range and I've learned this new fun way of playing the game. And I've had to really move my focus to that and look less and less at MMR and think less about that as a goal in of itself. It's got to be more about let's diversify strategies. Let's understand how to play many ways within the game. And let's remember and remind myself the thing that I always forget is I can be super embarrassed of playing my Terran's dip down to 5.1k or 5k and I can feel like I'm playing like crap, but there are still tons of Terran players watching going, holy crap, you're so fast. You're so good. I wish I could play like that, you know, and it it shouldn't be, oh, I'm not playing perfectly. It's just changing those goalposts. So the fact that I can go, you know what? I learned a new style in the last two weeks. I got decent at it, like to the point where I feel good with how I play it. It's a lot of fun. I've won. So that's where I've started resetting my goalposts, ignoring skill level, much more about fun, inspiration, and, and doing cool strategies.
0: Yeah, there's a point that we haven't mentioned yet, which is that the Starcraft community as a whole improves over time. So if you have retained a certain rank league MMR, you are improving at the same pace as people at that level but you are still improving especially if you're comparing the longer term of Wings of Liberty pro players and pro games compared to now the game is way faster we've figured out a lot of how macro works a lot of the just camera control and multitasking and speed of the players has been improving consistently over time so yeah it's very tough if you're some people will say hard hmm. stuck in whatever league that means that you're improving at the exactly. same rate of your peers so if you really want to get out of that rut that you perceive yourself to be in, you need to be doing something particularly exceptional for that bracket, something that the rest of them are not doing. And at a lot of leagues, the people are trying pretty hard. So you can't just spam ladder games the same way that they are and expect a different result. You would have to do something above and beyond that to improve. So that's a big part of why I've sought out coaching with you and other people is getting a neutral and fresh set of eyes who doesn't necessarily even have to be a better player than you. Just someone who doesn't have the same bias of you were in the match, trying to push all the buttons and it was really hard. It's just someone saying this part of your strategy seems very exploitable and not very optimal. Can we tune this up a bit and having that guidance and that second opinion is fantastic for getting you going. But yeah, the point about fun and enjoying the game is one that is really easy to forget when you put pressure on yourself. And that's why I recommend for a lot of people getting into the game to do other modes that might not be as taxing as 1v1 ranked ladder. You can unranked, you can 2v2 with your friends, you can do like funny meme builds and some people play the game not to maximize their MMR, but to find a style that's really enjoyable. And to play the game that style,
1: this this guy's not grinding to try and get top GM. (laughs) And it's you know, I think that's such an extreme example of someone taking it's pure creativity. It's purely things no one else has thought of, right? That he he thrives on that. It's all artistic expression for him. With like just the the absolute weirdness of what he's doing. Um. Yeah, this is this is something. Oh man, that was something. Where was I going to take this? No, the thread. I had this really, really great uh, direction I wanted us to just talk about. We were just talking about kind of redefining uh, where we get our happiness from with those games. Not so much about just the the MMR and about playing different styles. Oh man, it's I've lost it. I've lost it. Um, yeah. Oh my God
0: there was a point with florencio i talked with him at blizzcon to say something about him where i was getting some context for why he plays in such a strange way and he was saying that he has chess experience and when he played chess he would try to create very uncomfortable scenarios for his Mm -hmm. opponent really early on oftentimes at his own strategic detriment if you're looking at it on paper for him to sacrifice a few units for the opponent's queen might be a bad move but if the opponent losing their queen makes them feel uncomfortable and unsure about how to proceed in the match, it might have been a good move overall. If you add in the mental game to it, so that's a really cool thing that a lot of people don't think about is trying to keep the opponent off balance rather than to necessarily try to There's play so like much Sarah. power
1: to it. Grab the you know, grab the momentum and. Take people to a strange place. Uh, It's a game that's so fast, right? There's so many things we want to program so that we can have an automated response to a difficult scenario. We can refine a very difficult thing to do. And uh, we've all been in those StarCraft games where you just suddenly go, I have no familiarity with this place. Somehow, after 10 years of playing this game, this will still happen to me sometimes where I go, I just, oh no, there's so little information i can draw from there's so little experience and all i can do is look at the game in fundamentals and that's it and i'm like oh no <laughs> i'll tell you what i'm not normally looking at the game in fundamentals it's a lot of i recognize this pattern i know that this pattern this line of strategy leads to this and this there's like flowcharts running through your brain right it's like a, a network of roots and somehow you're off in this just strange area where mechanics and efficiency become so much less important because neither player has been able to, to practice that over and over again. And, uh, it does make things very difficult for the opponent. It's always, a, uh, I I feel like people tend towards both extremes, right? They're either, they really want to mess up their opponent or they really want to be the solid mechanical guy who does the same thing and perfects it and just becomes unstoppable. Um, were you more cheesy when you started out? Do you think you're more macro-oriented these days? I feel like you're pretty balanced in how you play, probably more defensive overall, um, and then exploding into a lot of strange and fun, cool, different ways of approaching the mid-game onwards. How How do you define yourself? And has that changed since the beginning?
0: Yeah, for my player identity, I would say that for ZvZ, my method before I was a streamer, was I would spam the cheese build that I lost to that I couldn't stop until someone else could stop it.
1: Oh, man. So
0: I did the 15 gas, 15 15 hatch speedling all in. That just murdered me every single time. So I was like, well, this is my ZVZ now. And I would do that every single match. And every diamond player would just be obliterated, the same as me. And then I would get up against master's players. They would read it, put two queens in a spine, and I would be completely shut out. And that gave me a really shitty feeling. It was like, I just got completely blocked. I can't do anything against this player. So that caused me to kind of take a step back and say, well, what would a solid opening look like? And this is sort of a translation of how I played poker. I try to play solid, which is a way that is not exploitable. If the opponent knew what was happening, I want to play in a really robust way where they can't really react Mm. and capitalize on that so taking your lair at a responsible time so you have detection, getting your spores on time so you're not taking damage from other stuff and I've been in the bracket of players where I'm not at the pro level where I want to be playing really risky to try to get ahead, most of the time it's about identifying different cheese builds and knowing how to stop them and then if I'm in a really intense macro game against another macro player, it's about keeping my fundamentals really crisp and solid and utilizing stuff like the core affords you so the ability to have multiple control groups easy access for those good camera control and things like that and just having a good boxing match with someone i think my favorite part of the game is probably when you get 80 drones Ling Bane muta against bio their battles happen in all over the place it's really multifaceted it's not just the kind of puzzle game of what does the Protoss have in their base? They've killed your overlord. Is it a Twilight? Is it a Stargate? Is it proxied on the map? And then it's like something unknown flies out and then kills you. Like, that's not really my favorite. I like when it's uh, a big and a bunch of battles like all over the place. And that's the format Fortify. Yeah,
1: I think probably. that's a, I think that's the funnest point in Starcraft, to be honest. I mean, always my favorite games. As much as I love the joy of a uh, a knife fight early game, where you're both going at each other in all sorts of crafty ways and trying to trip each other over and and kind of kick each other while you're down. Those games are really only the most satisfying when it goes on, when one player is blocking the moves, right? Like I love an ultra aggressive versus ultra defensive player where the defensive player is barely hanging on and almost stabilizing. And then the next wave hits them and they're barely hanging on. Right. But anytime there is, I guess, just an extension of the interaction. That's what, that's what I think we're, we're kind of probably looking at, right. The more of that push and pull, the more of the wrestling match, the more of those interactions. And even if it's like five base Ling Bane versus Bio, it's not so much about the tech coming out, but it's about a series of battles going on. It's about the mechanical management of them, individual tactics and micro going head to head. I think I love that style as well, but I definitely have equal love for the cheesy plays that have to have ultimate flexibility. They're the ones where they have to twist down an unfamiliar path, right? They have to try and catch their opponent off guard with the next wave. Mm. And you see this um, lots of kind of like trying to set the opponent up to counter you, but you've already got the counter to their counter. That always excites me a lot as well.
0: There is a point that I've made quite a bit recently, which is the difference between StarCraft and StreamerCraft. Streamercraft is playing StarCraft with the knowledge that there's an audience watching, which means that you can do a lot of funny stuff that isn't really ideal, but it's <laughs> hilarious. So an example would be the difference between doing a Queenling Nidus in a Protoss's base when they opened Oracles, and doing a Queenling Nidus and sending four <laughs> drones into the Nidus and making spines as well. <laughs> Those kind of things are well within the realm of fun, yeah it's not gonna move you up the ladder as fast it's kind of bad but when it works it's hilarious so taking those risks as a starcraft streamer i think is a a really fun gamble that is very entertaining and even if it doesn't work that's content too so i definitely feel like if i'm doing streamer craft the losses don't matter as much like i'm not going to get hung up if i was trying to do something silly and either it works and it was glorious, or you lose and it Indeed. was hilarious.
1: I uh, it's always good to kind of let go of caring too much about winning or losing when you're you're more focused on making some plays, having some fun. Um, I definitely think a lot of streamers also tend towards a different sort of of streamer StarCraft, which is playing ultra ultra safe and defensive right and trying to be the rock that the ladder washes onto and the rock is still standing and the wave is gone right that's something where i think about like when i play against jason he's the guy who i think is number one <laughs> of that style right now and i guess kind of like he's like a you know an american big gay where i'm like oh he's he's so trying to just be watertight and solid and that's his answer to the ladder so he can commentate and chill and get the ultimate level of reps right and this is something i'll try to do a lot as well i used to do these days i try to be a bit more aggressive and kind of force the day the game down a a path where i have more experience than my opponent i do a little bit more of that but uh it's kind of interesting the different ways of approaching starcraft that do end up coming out um i think we've talked a lot about starcraft we've talked a lot about kind of building our brand and our knowledge there was one other thing you wanted to talk about which was kind of slowly building a team behind putting out content and designing different types of art and kind of building the channel into uh, less of a a one-man team. And obviously it's always still at its core going to be, you are flicking on your stream and doing it, but we've both started to work with Evil Machine and and Cobra Venom and the crew, as well as a few other people. Um, What's that process kind of looked like for you? Has it changed things in a big way?
0: Yeah, definitely. It's added a ton of polish to all the content that has been coming out. Basically, a streamer, most of the time, I would say, is a good entertainer, and they may be good at video games, but the different skill sets of, say, video editing, that involves a lot of practice and learning how the software functions, investing the time and being able to do that quickly and efficiently, and oftentimes, if you're comparing the time that it would take you to learn a new skill at the level of a professional and be able to execute that as part of your business, it ends up being really weighty. There are a lot of different aspects of content creation that can be polished. And for one person to do all of those themselves and also have a respectable uptime so that they're competitive with Mm. their streaming peers is kind of out of the question, I would say, unless you came from that as your background, like you did production and and editing, and you got into streaming after that. So it's been a really invaluable resource. And also one of those points of consistency for morale for me to have people who support the stream in real ways that add value and improve the content. That is one of the things that really keeps me going on the tough days. So when I'm down and struggling and then thinking about the amazing people who stepped up to moderate the chat and how that's something that doesn't really get a ton of praise but it makes the environment much better more peaceful better behaved and more fun for people so having gratitude for the moderators and just chatting people who chat they're part of the team too because every chat has its own kind of Conversation value and fun value, and for you to keep it rolling to talk about something and to be active is a huge point of value as well. So, yeah, I've been pretty amazed at the growth and the success and the strength of Team Neuro, which has a surprising amount of overlap (laughs) with Team Pig. We work with a lot of the same people. You know who you are. I
1: mean, there are a bunch of amazing people who many of you I've had the pleasure of meeting uh, in person at events and hanging out with, I guess for me, especially it, it, all started with just moderators as well. Right. And there's always that time where a moderator, or someone comes in and they just like, I'm a real newbie. I'm looking for help. And they're like, they're not, they're not just like, ah, oh, here's a video. They're like literally answering their questions, asking more questions, offering to go hop in game with them. Every now and then you'll have someone who does that. Hey, I'll show you the ropes. Like let's play a little custom together and I'll teach you some stuff there's people who've just stepped up and moderated and take the time to deal with shitheads then abusing them you fucking you nazi you nazi oh man you're such a dick why'd you uh you know people just it's like i'm like dude he doesn't get paid i remember one guy um oh my god started a fight with my mods because they weren't subbed so he thought like he should have more power than them and a few of my mods weren't subbed and i was like i get a lot of channels like to only have subscribers as moderators but for me if someone can't afford to do like to to pay for a sub that is fine like if they're part of the community and they've been here yeah they're gonna be a moderator yeah they're gonna give you they're doing an amazing thing for the channel it's not a way of me rewarding people for giving me money like what the hell this guy was like it's disgusting it's like walking into a store and the employee is not even wearing the shirt of the Costco or the, the Walmart or whatever and I was like you're crazy man he was like wet messaged me angrily the fact that mods put up with that for no reward other than being part of a community and making it a better community massive love to all the mods and it's always the moderators i think who are the first ones who then go the extra step and help us out eon blue one of my first ones who basically pushed me to do icy far many 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 years ago he was like we need another fun day monday it'd be really cool if you do this i pushed me to do it and he was already the main moderator on my channel and he passed replays for years, picking the best ones for me to cast, helped me come up with topics, organize the show. Uh, I've now got Triple Helix, who's my YouTube manager, who does a ton of work helping make the YouTube channel not the terrible cesspit that it used to be. Whereas like these awkwardly cut videos that are always like awkward start, awkward finish, 15 seconds off where it's meant to be. Sometimes it would just go on for an extra hour after the video is meant to be cut off and yet it's there um things were like not monetized properly there was no thumbnails and it's like the fact that i can look at my youtube and it looks vaguely professional now it looks a lot better than vaguely professional but when we started it was vaguely professional to much better and i'm like oh man that makes me proud we're actually putting good content out um it's it's really cool since uh, a lot of that is obviously just volunteer time especially when you start out and it's nice to be able to start to pay people now As things have grown and now we've got people putting up podcasts for us and showing us how to do production. Uh, I had a little session with Cobra in the other week where he taught me a whole bunch of basic shit in OBS. I never knew how to do. I was like, you could do this and this and this. I was like, my mind was blown. The program I stream off every day. And I, it was like, I'd been riding the bike backwards the whole time. I was like, Oh my God, this is life changing.
0: No, it's not that it's, you're riding the bike but you don't realize that that's actually the captain's seat on a huge ship that's underneath (laughs) you of like all this kind of stuff that you can do yeah i wanted to share a a brief brutal one-liner you could give to someone who takes issue with a non-subscribed moderator when they're saying why is this person a moderator they did not even support you financially you could say they're a moderator because they're pleasant Which is a bit of a jab, but I think a deserved jab at that point. A lot of times the people who get a VIP badge or get the mod sword aren't mods because of the amount of money that they've given the broadcaster. It's because they're pleasant to be around. There are a lot of names that I read. I just read the name in Twitch chat. And for me to even see that they are here today makes me happy because they're nice, they're pleasant, and they're cool. And their presence is a positive in my day. They don't have to be really asking for mod or please give me vip that's not how it works it's just by sort of building reputation of being solid on a consistent basis
1: hells yeah there's it, it adds so much value it adds so much value to the channel to have people hanging out and doing that stuff um yeah yeah sometimes i think people like we we line them up we're like guys it's tryouts for the moderators and we make them like do sprints or something and I don't know. We eat rotten eggs, and and then they have to fill out their the exam to make sure they get the rules right. I'm like, the rules aren't that complicated. There's someone in my chat who is consistently pleasant and nice and helping people out and just generally being a good egg. And they become a moderator at some point, usually because there's no other moderators on and chat's getting a little bit a little bit antsy. And I'm like, that's a person I trust, a name I know. And I feel like I know that person just from that Twitch chat name and they get a mod sword and they're often like, whoa, when did that happen? And I'm like, oh, sorry, I forgot to tell you. I just made you a mod because I think you're a good person. And if someone's being a crazy person and breaking the rules, I, I know I can trust you to slash slash their legs off, uh, give them a little timeout. So uh, it's, it's good shit. Um, big thanks to all the people who've helped us kind of get to where we are today.
0: You gave yeah? me an idea moderator bootcamp sketch <laughs> that that would be so good so good you have like sample lines in the twitch chat and you're asking the moderators is this a ban timeout <laughs> or just say something to them and there's a lot of really fucked up stuff that happens in twitch chat so for moderators uh, there's a, a point of praise that they don't get very often but whenever you're reading stuff that is vile and nasty it affects you and it's kind of gross And in a way, you are protecting the broadcaster from being overwhelmed Mm -hmm. by that nastiness that's on the internet. So you are a shield, basically. It gives you the sword icon, but I think a a shield might be more appropriate for that capacity. You're saving us a lot of uh, emotional struggle that we would have to deal with when you handle stuff like that. Sometimes a message just disappears and it was totally foul, way outside of TOS. Yeah, I... (laughs) but we didn't have to deal with that sometimes
1: i like click on it because i'm like i want to check that the modding is being done well they're not being too overzealous i'm not being white knighted you know that i will protect your honor pig you should not have to answer that question but uh usually i'm like yep i didn't need to see that i should have just trusted them Um, (laughs) because their judgment is almost always very solid and i'm like yep i didn't need to read that that was that was terrible but uh, cool, man. We've talked about a lot of things. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about um, today? This has been a really fun discussion for me. I've really enjoyed it.
0: I think one point to round off this whole discussion would be your brand versus mm. you and that sort of Batman-Bruce Wayne balance that we have as creators. So for me, these days, I am addressed as Neuro more often than I'm addressed as Austin. That's just how my life is now. I would guess that there's probably some similar feelings for you. A lot of people know you as Pig, and that's really cool. But sometimes the conceptions of how they perceive Neuro or Pig differ from the human person, Jared or Austin. I think we're both pretty close to our persona. Like The way that I think of Neuro is it's me on stage really trying to stand by the principles that i believe to be correct so it's kind of like trying to keep on the right path but it doesn't mean that i'm following that perfectly all the time it's like i'm trying to represent certain things and i try to hold myself to that standard but i get tired some days i'm demotivated i'm not like perfectly zen all the time some people perceive me as a vulcan which is one of the things that the that is a misconception. Well, you know, uh,
1: ever since your stream started getting more and more popular, um, like I remember, Jeff used to always talk about how he loved your stream and he liked to hang out. And he was just waiting for the day where you'd snap and like tell someone to kill themselves or something. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I remember, he's like, "I'm waiting, I'm waiting." He's like, neuro is so chill, but I'm waiting for the day where he snaps." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> um, it's it's funny. Sometimes people do that." I, I feel like for me, there's been a big lessening of the gap between the the me on camera and on stream to you know i talked about that at the start of the show earlier where i've tried to close that gap and just be more myself and be more natural because it's more satisfying for me it's more enjoyable it's i'm not having to work i I can more just be myself do i ham things up do i get silly do i perform of course of course we do but I try not to misrepresent who I am, right? I try not to change my views too much on things. I try not to present myself in a completely different light. Like I might put on my teaching hat. I might put on my funny hat or my trolling hat a little bit, but uh, I don't want to try and pretend to be anybody else. And I think that's something, the more I've done this, the more I've tried to close that gap um similar to you many of my friends yeah call me pig <laughs> i even you know one of my 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 good friends i go rock climbing with haven't seen him in a while we've been in lockdown of course um yeah he'll call me pig sometimes then be like oh jared you know just because he watched my stream for a long time before we started hanging out we used to we used to chat he used to be one of my regular mods and we 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 became friends um through that relationship but i think it's something where it's a lot more effortless for me these days I think we've both grown thicker skins, right? We we know we're aware of the pitfalls of focusing on the negative comments. So we're mentally set up to fight that and to to at least lessen the impact of focusing on those negative comments. We've uh, learned how to just kind of flow with it and go, I'm not seeking everyone's approval. And like you said, I really like what you were saying. You're not trying to be everyone's favorite streamer. That's the mindset shift for me where I was like, look, if one in 10 people really click with my show, that's infinitely more powerful than trying to appeal to everyone. And I think that was the big aha moment for me as a content creator that allowed me to kind of just relax more and enjoy the process more. Right. And I think enjoying day to day, like that's my goal right now is to finish each stream and go, I feel good. That was fun. That was awesome. And it's to put myself and treat myself in a way where the next day when I wake up in the morning, I go, I can't wait to stream. Like those are my two, if there's like two overall goals in my life day-to-day right now, and more than ever when we're in isolation, it's finish the day feeling good. Even if there's things I could improve, get some positivity and review the stream and go, I did that well, I can do that better, but I know I'm moving forward. But also, yeah, making sure I don't push too hard and giving myself more time off to make sure i've got the urge the will and the inspiration to want to go live i don't want to i don't want to feel like i'm forcing myself to click that go live button is that something you you're set mm-hmm. with the schedule do you ever wake up and you're like it's a terrible day put out a tweet or whatever say sorry guys we're not going live do you ever have to take time off like that
0: uh, it's pretty low by demeanor and disposition i'm very lucky that i have a happy brain so i tend to just wake up and I'm typically in a good mood, assuming I got the amount of sleep that I would like, or at least close to that. Uh, Loco, I think, is another really good example of that. If he's a guy who's he's, he's smiley, that's just <laughs> how he is. So it's less of a uphill struggle in that sense. And I also am the kind of guy who has oatmeal every day for breakfast. So I also don't get too burned out doing similar things over time. I enjoy repetition. I enjoy refinement of the same thing over and over again, to the point where I don't really feel like I struggle to keep doing what I'm doing. The latter has so many varied situations you find yourself in that. I don't really get too tired of that. And then the wow guild is such a monumental project and main tanking that I also feel like there's always a lot of work to mm. be done. And then with the, the role that we fill on Twitch, which is trying to stream and set a good example that's something that is never gonna go away. So it feels like there's always a reason and a purpose to go live beyond just the, I should go live to pay rent. I think when that's happening, that's already a really bad spot to be in. And for some people they can't avoid it. So it's a battle they have to fight through. But ideally you stream because you love it and you stream because you feel like it's worthwhile and it's important to do. Amen. So I, I did have to take one day off, just a personal day from a really cutting comment I got from a viewer one stream that ended up impacting me enough that I couldn't stream the next day. So people are vulnerable and I tried to be open with my chat about that vulnerability. It was about the kind of co-founder of the stream who is no longer with us uh, by suicide. He had struggled with major depression for many years and there was a comment about that being my fault. So. In that sense, every person has openings, weaknesses, areas where they're not super robust and strong and all that, and that's okay. And I think sharing that vulnerability with other people is a super important point of connection. I don't want to be the Zen avatar, who is the guy who always has his shit together and is perfectly poised. I would like to be someone who is exceptionally poised, and when I get cannon rushed, I try to give a bow and be respectful to my opponent and not bitch. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that at the end of the day, if I got cheese and I went down 200 MMR, I'm going to be rustled too. And sometimes I need a private conversation with a friend, just someone to be like, yo, shit sucks. Like that was tough and be able to vent a little bit streamers yeah. are people too. Even if, uh, we, we know we have a camera on us, which I think changes your behavior quite a bit. If you know you're being recorded, you feel like you have to choose your words sure. carefully. You have to, yeah, keep your chin up, things like that. When, uh, there are the days where at the end of it, you're like, <laughs> <gosh."> <laughs> and whenever you turn it off, it's a pretty big relief, but fortunately yeah. that's very rare. I would say I have maybe, uh, a handful yeah. of bad streams in a year. It's, it's pretty rare, mainly because the communities are so excellent. Like you're saying, if the regulars are fantastic and you're streaming for the regulars, problems are few and far between. I
1: think the comfort and openness with vulnerability are the main things I'm getting out of what you just said. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff there, but uh, it it really is something that resonates with me. The ability to let yourself show hurt, and that's something we shy away from sometimes and a lot of content creators. And as well as talking about kind of at the start of the show with like managing your chat. And saying, I'm just going to ignore it slash not deal with it and manage the culture. Part of me learning to do that was learning to be more more vulnerable. And when people hurt my feelings, not be like, well, fuck you. Um, sorry. Do you, do you swear on your podcast, by the way? I forgot to check.
0: I said fuck like I, I four times so. already. Like, so just so double you're checking.
1: Good. All right. Rather than tell them to go F no. themselves, right? I'm like, wait a second. Have we still got alerts playing? Oh my God. Sorry, sound effects coming through. My bad. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Basically, yeah, letting yourself be vulnerable. Part of making my chat learn where the line was, well, let's people know you just hurt my feelings, right? And saying, and people are like, you can't do that. You can't let the trolls know they just upset you. They'll come back for more. But there is like a way where you set the boundary and you explain the hurt feelings and you say like, that makes me feel really bad. And it's actually the brave thing to do. It's like that weird thing when you're telling a kid, you're like, well, you tell the bullies that they hurt your feelings and they'll respect that. (laughs) It's like, I'm not so sure if it applies to the schoolyard, but I find with this adult, mature StarCraft audience that we seem to have, it actually seems to work very well. Where if I can be like, well, that made me feel really bad. Like, actually, like, maybe I'll make fun of them first and then I'll go, you know what? Like, it does actually make me feel bad. Like, that's... That's why the line is there. I think that's powerful. Um, And I think people can also then relate to you. So I used to, like I said, always try and keep that distance between who I am and who I am on camera. And I think I've definitely um, evolved it by starting to open up more. Um, Something which has been a personal project in the last few months I've started is I started a newsletter, which is more like a personal blog, which I send out about once a month um, called Reflections. And basically for me, it's like, I'm going to open up about some shit where I'm basically facing my own inadequacies and my own day-to-day problems of basic shit. Like I think the most recent one I did was all about being unable to exercise for a long time frequently and struggling with my health and getting in bad personal habits all the time and going on these like depressive, just massive ups and downs for many, many years. And how I, really struggled with that and the self-talk where i'd be really brutal to myself like you're a piece of shit whenever i was like you know following bad habits and i'd get more down on myself and i'd go in these spirals so for me starting to open up about that stuff with my audience was a goal i set um late last year i was like you know what the people i like following on stream the people i enjoy watching like yourself on twitch uh, and the ones who i enjoy their social media content as well as the ones who are like they're sharing that little bit of I'm a person. It's not like, hey, this is a way of showing off how awesome my life is. Like, you know, like the, the classic, like make your life look awesome on Facebook, you're actually really depressed. It's the opposite of that. It's the people who are just like, just sharing their daily challenges, sharing those basic mundane things that like make us feel great, but also make us feel like we're at rock bottom sometimes. And I figured like, look, if I can come out and share that with people, it's gonna be this really good personal practice for me because it's gonna allow me to be even more honest, on stream, more open, about who I am as a person, it's going to allow me to forge more of a connection with my audience, hopefully, because they can learn from that. But they can also just go, "Hey, oh, he's a, he's an idiot like me, and you know, struggles with the same silly things and the same mundane problems, you know." Um, so I think I've tried to shift my mindset to let's not try and make out like I have this awesome streaming life that people just look up to and want that, but kind of go, "I'm just a regular dude as well, and let's share all the." little basic, crazy problems that I face day to day. And I think learning to be more vulnerable with that has been insanely beneficial to my mental health. Like I think where I am now, compared to a few years ago, mentally much happier.
0: Yeah. Well, it goes to the concept of courage for me, where courage is not a lack of fear. Courage is pursuing your aim despite fear and despite difficulty. And everyone is facing a lot of difficulties. As streamers, we have some difficulties in a new industry that hasn't been around for a really long period of time. So a lot of times those difficulties are not commonly understood. So being able to articulate them humanizes you and it allows people to see what your path is really like and also support you and share in their vulnerability as well. We should be real. We should be human. And one of the most refreshing things you can see from a streamer is when they have a genuine, unique voice, where they're not trying to emulate another successful streamer or personality. They're not trying to say what they think you want them to say. They're being true, and they're doing what their creative energy inspires them to do in the moment. One of the things that's really funny and annoying for me is when I get someone who tunes in and they immediately want me to do one particular thing that I do sometimes Jimothy, as though I'm a
1: Bring out Jimothy.
0: <laughs> I do have channel point redemptions, which is a way that people can earn that and those can be used to really good effect. But yeah, to the same point, like you should also be able to read the situation. You should be able to see how is the streamer doing right now? Because if they're on a losing streak of eight and I'm feeling like Razzing someone today, maybe I'm not going to talk shit to the streamer right now. Maybe if pig was on an upswing and he won seven games in a row and he's feeling like a God. And I wanted to maybe take a (laughs) poke at his ego a little bit. That would be really good fun. And that would be refreshing. But yeah, you've got to check in and see like, how is this person Mm. doing today? Because we have a, a variety of situations we can be in and connecting on a human level and a real level. It's super, super important for being a good friend.
1: It is. um, Something I think I, after a a lifetime of playing video games and uh, kind of thinking that being self-reliant and uh, having a lot of, I think, archaic, masculine kind of ideals that I wasn't even aware I had imprinted on my consciousness of like, I must not show emotion. I must be a rock. I must be independent. Relying on others is a sign of weakness. These are all things that I've slowly been like, turn that rock over, and I'm like, "There's this is a stupid idea. This doesn't make me happy." Um, so it's been a it's been a journey, um, and and it's kind of cool to see people like yourself developing day to day and year to year as well, and doing to do things that make them happy. That's part of why I'm so happy to see you running your guild in WoW, right? Because I just see you just doing this thing. You're like, "I'm going to take on this big responsibility." that is just going to forge a whole bunch of meaningful relationships and you're going to bond more with your community. You're going to have a whole bunch of fun, a whole bunch of fun adventures. And uh, yeah, I just think it's uh, continuing to follow the right path, right? Um, so it makes me happy to see you doing mm-hmm. so well, man. This is awesome.
0: Yeah, so the recommendation for people, a lot of people ask about growing their stream. We have a lot of viewers and friends who also stream to audience of sizes from zero to the same viewership that we have and the thing that i heavily recommend is having a content oriented path where you're thinking about cool and amazing content you're excited about that you could create rather than a growth oriented mindset that's the thing that i would heavily advise against where you don't want to be looking at your numbers and trying to increase your numbers and talking about your numbers you should be trying to have a cool show, host something that's interesting, try a new theme or a challenge for the games yes. that you're doing. Something that makes you distinct, interesting, and fun and to that's hang often out. what you want to do as we well,
1: right? It's not thinking about what others want. It's just just that thing that inspires you. It's going to inspire others naturally.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, sweet. We had most of the suggested topics that
1: we that's had. Awesome. Yeah. i You're a very easy person to talk to. I think we have a good flow. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think we just got some Discord notification sounds coming through my end, um, which normally doesn't make any notification sounds. Fantastic. Good to see. It's decided to add a new thing. A couple of beeps in the background to finish uh, the show. I think this was was awesome, dude. Um, I would love to meet up with you again, maybe in six months or whenever for another crossover episode, perhaps. Once again, guys... just want to say you can, of course, find Neuro's podcast. If you're watching on my end, links are down below. YouTube description. Um, Go to Neuro's Twitch channel. We're spamming links all day in the Twitch chat for the people watching live. And I'm going to do that again because I really would like you all to make sure if you're one of the few people here who hasn't already crossed over to the land of Neuro, give him a follow. We've just linked up literally everything. His YouTube channel, his Podbean, his Insta. All the things, right? There's Twitch channel, the most important of them all. Um, but yeah, the voice of Neuro is obviously a, a kind of show you're doing intermittently at the moment, right? Is it something you have any big plans for in the future? It's just whenever you inspiration hits you, you've got a billion projects you're doing at the moment. So, so what's voice of Neuro look like?
0: The voice of Neuro is totally regular right now. We do politics and world discussion, world history every Sunday. So we're looking at something like maybe one to two uh, episodes of Voice of Neuro per week. We also have a regular philosophy segment that occurs. So philosophy and politics are two of the main ones. I do have a solo episode that I'm going to tackle next, which was voted on my Patreon page. And that one is on The psychology of gaming, maintaining a healthy balance. So it's looking at things like the time that you have to play games, choosing which game is right for you, for your personality and the energy that you have when it's time to play video games, and then balancing fun and improvement and making friends and building up your own character and respect is kind of the essence of that one. So mindfulness is a major theme that I try to keep in front with all of these different discussions, listening to people who know more than you is also a ridiculously valuable life skill. So a lot of the podcast episodes, I'm bringing on an expert Mm -hmm. and I'm the host where I don't know shit about this philosopher, but there's an expert who's read a lot about him and he's going to tell us like it is. And I can ask questions and be the bridge between the Twitch chat and the expert who's there. So yeah, Voice of Neuro has been a lot of fun. I'm glad I started it I don't listen to podcasts that often. It's just not something I've blocked time for and I work from home. So many people listen to podcasts while they're in the car. So if that's your jam, go check out the episodes. Voice of Neuro, it's on a bunch of different platforms. Oh yeah.
1: The Pig Show, of course, for anyone who's listening over on Voice of Neuro right now, is mostly a show that I'm figuring out as we go. Its core is it's a deep dive into who pro gamers are and what it's like to climb to the very top of the most brutal game in the world. But interspersed in that, we've had an episode chatting with Nathanius about casting and isolation and a bunch of different things. We've had a few free-ranging conversations about balance and game design in StarCraft with Beastie. We just did an episode the other day with Bligh that should be up very shortly on both YouTube and the podcast form, which was incredible because you take a very aggressive, some called cheesy player, and he has some wisdom that he dropped i was i was just i love that discussion i think starcraft people commentators casters streamers players is kind of the core because essentially uh, it is i want to have conversations with awesome people similar to you who are going to enrich my life in some way i want to just kind of get some info out of people about their tactics for handling the low points um handling you know and managing their expectations when they're at the top and the inevitable downturn that's going to come with performance in any area. Um, Especially when you go from winning tournaments to whatever the next step is. So uh, yeah, we've had a lot of interesting conversations. I'm sure the show is going to evolve and and morph into different things, but uh, if you do want to check it out, the pig show on pretty much all podcast format as well. So thank you very much uh, for having me on your show. Neuro. Thank you for coming on the pig show at the same time. Uh, This was a lot of fun, man. Excellent collaboration. And we will continue to collaborate
0: every other Thursday. So not this Thursday, but the one after that, we will be doing another fresh and amazing Wayfarers episode. Man, I'm glad that you're in the scene. You rock. You've been a a mentor and a friend to me in a lot of ways. Super awesome being a a podcast co-guest with you. Thank you so much.
1: And with that, I guess I'll close this out. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, everybody, for joining us uh please throw some support over to neuro's channel twitch.tv forward slash neuro all the other links of course you guys can find them down below and everywhere else appreciate you watching the show everybody much love goodbye and good night